there was an idea. The two podcasters could join together and cover every single superhero television show and movie that exists. Scott and Chris combined their talents to form Binge Storm and to make this idea a reality. Then Barry Allen popped in and reminded us that short of having time-altering super speed, there's no way in hell we could accomplish that in one lifetime. But we'll do what we can. Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Legion cast, the final episode ever recap. Uh, finally getting around to it. Um, but Pat is here, Pat Dalmore. Yeah. And uh, it's just been getting hard this summer to, to schedule people and get stuff done. Uh, so do apologize. But, you know, we're not we're not late on the next one because there is no next one. So we've got that going for us, I guess. But I'm sad. Me too. But this is the Chapter 7, 27 recap. Um, and, uh, Pat pointed out, on line off show uh, that this is probably if you don't count like the uh, some of the Netflix shows we've done um, but we never even really covered every season of those either but this is pretty much the first complete index show of any you know property we've covered on Weekly Heroic so yay little milestone for us um, you know we'll eventually get there with Preacher too soon and, and the, you know, some other stuff that we're starting to cover, like the boys. But um, this this will be the first one that we've covered from cover to cover, as, as we would say in the comic business. So very proud about that. Um, I think we're this is going to be like our 77th episode of Weekly Heroics. And sometimes hmm. I look at <laughs> some of my past shows more. and be like, no, I, sometimes I, I thought there was a lot less. Like, I can't believe I did this like 77 times already. On top of like 50-ish something, probably in the 70s over on Free of the Walking Dead cast. And you know, we got a couple of years worth out on No Councils and and like 12 shows out of Mindless Dribble. I don't know what happened there, but... Um, <laughs> but uh, I was happy to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been pretty much you and me on this one, because Heroes Missing in Action. Um, and uh, yeah, but... Let's get into it and, and say goodbye in proper fashion. See what we thought. So we'll do our usual uh, split recap here. Um, so I'll begin, and we, we get some titles over scenery to begin the episode. And as we would expect, it, it says, This is the end, the beginning, the end. What it all means is not for us. It is for history to decide. All we can do is play the parts as written. All we can know is ourselves. So kind of, I guess, a little goodbye to the show, goodbye to the audience, and, you know, uh, thanks for all the memories in Holly. And we start out, as, as the whole series kind of started out, a baby stands up in his crib, reaching out for uh, mobile. We get a montage of images of David's various stages of life on the show, um, literally, um, you know, from, from infancy to where we have him now. And David meets with uh, Charles and pulls a fish out of his ear, and thinking maybe a babblefish reference. Exactly what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he stares at it in, as in, at it in surprise, and they're and they're presumably preparing for the battle with Farouk. You know, so they're they're crafting their psychic weapons. Uh, he tosses it away and and pulls out a, a 
ball of glowing light that becomes a nice mace, a nice sick mace. Uh, Charles goes a little more, you know, simpler and modern, pulls a small light out of his ear, and it becomes a bullet, which he loads into a gun. Um, Switch lies on the couch and calls to her father. She's looking really rough. And David's like, I'll fix it all soon. Don't worry. But uh, as we'll learn soon, Switch doesn't really have to worry. She's, um, he and Charles leave, uh, then to find Farouk. So, so much visual reference to the comics. David is a psychic mace. Yeah. Charles, Charles Xavier is a magic bullet. Yeah. Which I think is how he ended up ultimately defeating Farouk in the, uh, you know, they, they tried all the, the weaponry and kind of like the, the battle we saw, the, the battle we saw at the end of last season in Legion was, you know, one of the better representations of how the original Psy War went in the comics. You know, they're all coming up with different things to fight each other with. And finally, Xavier just went, you know, t- totally naked and like focused his, you know, mind like a bullet to, to take Farouk out in the end in the comic. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of interpretations of that that fight. If um yeah, if we ever have a chance to do like a uh, back to the bins together, we should do the original Shadow King and the original Legion right, story. Right. The two men arrive at a door, and David says that he likes the two of them together. They go into the room and find the past and present Farouk together. Charles says that he broke their boy, and Farouk says. David always blames himself. David teleports over and attacks past Farouk, and Charles shoots future Farouk. Sid runs downstairs with Gabriel and the baby, calling to Carrie. Carrie and Carrie are frozen, and the time demons appear around them. Time unfreezes around the louder milks, and Sid warns that there are too many of them. They can try to leave and find themselves in the basement. Carrie tries to get through to Carrie, who says that his brain is filled with spaghetti. Time destabilizes among them. And Carrie finally tells Carrie that someone with twice the temporal identity would be twice as difficult to consume. He says that he has an idea that will confuse them. And as Sid finds a shotgun, Carrie tells Carrie that they should merge together one more time. And Carrie takes his hand after a moment and they merge. And Carrie gets up out of the wheelchair, draws her sword. Uh, runs forward and attacks the time demons. She's able to stab them and they disappear occasionally and others advance on Gabrielle and her baby and Sid shoots at them and apparently a shotgun can take them out too. They're real hardy creatures for guarding the uh, tributaries of time, really. You know, just standard weapons can, can kill them. You'd think they'd have a little more juice than that. Yeah. But numbers is their advantage and, and, mm-hmm. and making people get old because Carrie eventually starts getting old, you know, after she merges and, and fights them. And, you know, they, they can't stop her completely, but they are aging her. They're like uh, the weeping angels a little bit. Yeah, 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 always have been. <laughs> uh, all right, two. David tells Farouk that he is Legion and they all share one thing. Farouk stands in a room of doors with a really cool spirograph pattern on the floor. David's voice echoing around him, all saying that they hate him. David runs out of one door and lunges at Farouk, who blasts him back. More Davids charge Farouk, and he blasts two more of them back. More Davids come out and advance on Farouk, finally overwhelming him with sheer numbers. The wounded Farouk lies on the ground, clutching at his side, and Charles looks down at him. 
Farouk pulls colored silks out of the wound and stands up unharmed. The gun becomes a knife. Farouk says that he's disappointed that all they can create are weapons of war. He teleports the knife from Charles's hand and transforms it into one of two bottles of beer. Carrie tells Carrie inside of her head that she's too busy killing to talk. She hesitates briefly and then continues. And past Farouk blasts all of David's, uh, all of the Davids away, and the core David finds himself in a straitjacket sitting in the black void. And Farouk tells him that he failed because he is just a scared and unloved baby uh, under all of his rage. And David insists he's a good person and I deserve to be loved. And hear that refrain again. And Farouk yep. tells him, quite frankly, that he doesn't. <laughs> Catatonic David stares off into space and starts to sing Pink Floyd's Mother to himself. Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? joins and multiple other Davids are dancing and thrashing out around behind him. Hush now baby, baby, don't you cry. Mama's gonna make all of your nightmares come true. Mama's gonna put all of her fears into you. Mama's gonna keep you right here under her you fly, but she might let you say, Mama's gonna keep baby cozy and warm. musical uh, sequences we've gotten on, on, on Legion. This was one of my favorites. This is one of my favorite Floyd tunes. So. It was, it was, it was like, pretty incredible. Yes. 
And it looked like it was the first time they'd ever thought to do it as a mother and son, actual mother and son duet. Too. Right, you know, no, I mean, it lends itself to that, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's, it was great. Um, but yeah, it's always been one of my favorites, and it was just really cool to see. Mother, do you think she's good enough? calling you out Noah for not having any actual like Sid Barrett Pink Floyd but whatever I'm still happy um, <laughs> but you're the one that picked the character's name that's all I'm yeah. saying <laughs> could have called her Regina Waters or something um, and we would have still got the same point you know Denny you know Doris Gilmore maybe we could have gone with I don't know but just just saying uh, <laughs> so I don't know if like a younger generation Probably still knows Pink Floyd because, you know, the most famous rock bands ever. But I don't know if a lot of them know Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd. You know, they're probably hearing Sid Barrett at the beginning and like, what? Um, but we know. I know, anyway. Yeah, um, I still I still have not watched The Wall. Um, <laughs> I've been to I've been to Laser Dark Side of the Moon and enjoyed it. But Nice. Yeah, I got to do a viewing. Of the, the Wall actually played here in one of our theaters not too long ago when I was considering taking Tina. I was telling Chris, so we were both giving him a ride back from work one night, and I'm like, "Yeah, hey, you want to go, man?" He's like, "Yeah, not really." I'm like, you know, "I'm like, babe, you want to go?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'd like to see it." And, and of course, Honeywell, just like imp that he is, you know, kind of just blurts out, "Is like, oh yeah, there's a cheery tune. That's a good date movie. Or, you know, cheery movie. There's a good date movie." You know, and I'm thinking, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just maybe we'll just do that on the screen at home." <laughs> And keep some razor blades close. <laughs> you know, I watched the mother segment right before we recorded, and yeah, very, very different 
message that that's trying to convey than uh, oh yeah, yeah Legion is yeah definitely um, but yeah this was was done well and I would have expected I guess uh, what's his name Dan Stevens uh, actually apparently has a higher register than than Gabrielle Stephanie Corn- Cornelius and is her last name sorry Gabrielle. Oh. But uh, she she had to go to the lower register when when singing the higher part, so I was a little surprised at that. I wonder if they auto tuned that or not because it does. She does sing really low. A little bit, yeah, and yeah. It seems I maybe said it was an intentional stylistic thing, or maybe it was just maybe she ain't the best singer in the world. I don't know. I don't know. So it was still great. I'm off that now. Meanwhile, Carrie and Sid are continuing to fight the time demons and the Davids in David's head. This is always such a fun show to recap because there's two carries and many Davids. and Yeah, scream and rage and rampage through the void. They claw at David who continues singing with Gabrielle and she holds baby David as uh, adult David looks on and he frees himself from the straitjacket because it turns into Farouk. <laughs> kind of a neat little yep. twisty effect. And David tells him that it's time to die and starts choking him. This is the, the true... Um you know, strike me down and I will become more powerful mm-hmm. than you can ever imagine. But in a, but in a positive way. Right. Yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't, he does become more powerful than David can imagine. Yeah. But not, not to, not to the end, not to be evil though. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. actually really kind of surprised with the, the way they resolve this. We'll talk yeah. about that in a bit. In the house, switch hears the time demons laugh. The house shakes and the walls crack and Switch finds herself back in the time hallway. She spits out dozens of her teeth and turns to see the time demons coming. They surround her and she puts on her headphones before passing out. Her father arrives and strokes her face and says that now she understands that time is a force she can't control. He disappears and Switch becomes her younger self. She wakes up to find her father sitting next to her. He congratulates her on her baby teeth falling out. Switch now has wisdom teeth. And she hugs him. It was nasty, hard to watch the the teeth spitting te- scene too. Very much so because yeah. they <laughs> they pick an act. Um, you don't really want to see Lauren Sai hurt. No, right at all. Yeah. And she, you know, really, really takes a beating in this. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those visceral things, like what they've been doing us doing to us over on Preacher with certain parts of the body that you just don't ever want to see. Oh must up in any way, shape, or form. It's just like, goes right to the spinal column and just (laughs) the heebie-jeebies just start rolling. Yeah. So, well done, guys. Fuck you. But well done. (laughs) So, Charles and uh, Future Farouk are, yeah, Future Farouk uh, drink and, and Farouk says that he this was kind of a great trope of uh, you know, great comic book trope, too, that, you know, you, you don't you don't fight your 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 actual arch nemesis that knows all your tricks. You you know you switch it up, and and so we've got David fighting, you know the past, and and Charles past Charles fighting the future. So I thought that was kind of a neat dynamic. But Charles and Fruit drink, and Fruit says he lived in David's mind for thirty two years. He thought what David was. He you know he lived all his pains and triumphs, and and the prison actually you know eventually became a person. And Farouk says that he loves David and considered him his son, but admits that fatherhood isn't in his nature. And 
So he went a little evil. Um, he says that fruit brought Charles there, intending to punish and dominate uh, because he was weak. Um, now, um, or that's why Charles went, basically, is to, you know, he, he kind of thought, he's implying that Charles, you know, had good intentions, maybe, but he really just kind of wanted, it was a selfish gesture to find somebody, you know, like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Fruk is uh, tired of the, of the war, basically, and he's come there to help David on his quest, and Charles has a proposition for him. Well, this is a, wor- this is a world without Magneto. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, I mean, his... If you if you watch the first X Men movie, which I did right after finishing this, was the, the one of the first things that Xavier says to Wolverine when he's explaining his mission is, "When I was seventeen years old, I met a boy named Eric Lenscher, and that's what shaped his his view of the world." So instead, we have Gabrielle here, who Charles you know saved and woke up and decides to collaborate with instead of having a war you know kind of a never-ending cold war with the person right oh also it was 33 years on the show that he was in uh, david's head right which is a very biblical number obviously yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, carrie tells carrie that doesn't feel so good and she assures him that it's only arthritis as she ages Switch's father tells her that the time demons guard the tributaries of time, but they're well-trained. He blows a whistle and orders them to go. He says that the time hallway is their native home, and they have both shed their screens. She asks him what they are, and he tells her there are many names for four-dimensional beings, but that he would like to call her daughter. He invites her to come with him to see untethered existence, but Switch says there's one last thing she has to do before going. And he... uh, I want to see untethered existence, and they didn't show yeah. us. <laughs> well, he also tells her, you know, that now that you have your your wisdom teeth, you get to know that you know time, time was never a river. Right, this it's idea you had of it, it's an ocean. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so David uh, is back choking Farouk still, and then Charles and future David pop up, and Charles makes Farouk disappear. And he says that David never had a chance because of him. He insists that war isn't the answer, and he's made a deal with future Farouk. David insists that he can't leave it up to someone else. His father says that he wasn't there for him and figures he left to protect David. He admits that he'll never, uh, or gave him up to protect him. He admits that he'll never know the pain of being abandoned, but is there now and wants to make it right. So Charles asks David to let him be his father, and crying, David falls into his arms, and Charles hugs him. Really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Even, even uh, from asshole uh, Tar- Targaryen boy. Yeah, yes. I, I kind of totally forgot that that's him now. <laughs> um, I want to say when he comes in, when Charles comes in, David's like, you know, I almost had him. And Charles goes, yes, yeah. I saw the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Farouk tells Farouk that he has become weak in his old age. And Farouk realizes how petty his younger self was. He gives Farouk his sunglasses to show him what he's learned. Farouk dons him and relives everything that has happened to him in the future as part of David's mind. Kaleidoscope, man. Yeah. Shocked, Farouk removes him and thanks Farouk and says, he's sorry, as he weeps. A switch appears in the basement as an elderly Carrie crawls along the floor. Uh, the kaleidoscope, by the way, is more just montage images of the show that we've been watching. Right. Um, presumably, yeah, you know, you give 
young fruit that that experience and and apparently it works switch appears in the basement as an elderly carrie getting very old now crawls along the floor and she blows the whistle bringing the time demons to heal and they finally disappear Switch says to the, that the universe acknowledges all of them and wants them to know that their suffering means something and they are appreciated by whatever the fuck Switch is now. Uh, Sid asks if David did it and uh, Switch tells her that the David she knew is gone because his past has changed and now that Sid's past will change as well and everything will be new and Cinder, Sid, Cinder, Sid wonders if she's she's going to die and Switch basically tells her yeah, kind of, pretty much. But the new Sid will be glorious, and you won't remember any of it because you'll be dead. And she gives Sid uh, time for one last thing and uh, thanks her for helping her when she was human. So let's chat about this for a minute. Because apparently, you know, Switch has become, you know, this this kind of new element, This the, these four-dimensional beings that, that guard and handle time and... and you know, are the the authors of, and we're obviously getting into the the classic X Men alternate universe yep. situation here, and it's it's one I didn't expect. I kind of expected them to go that way, and it's like, okay, now here's how. Yeah, we'll get to it in a minute, but yeah, um, I'm, I was intrigued by this whole switch is actually kind of like a, a time lord almost, yes, you know? <laughs> or time god or whatever, but. Definitely timey limey stuff that's above and beyond our human comp- you know, comprehension. So that was kind of a neat thing. We also, I think, we missed the the latter part of the opening where they said, you know, you don't go into the past to change yourself. Right, you'd go to destroy yourself. Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I don't know. Use the same lane. Yeah, which was uh, we appreciate. I say it was, yeah. It was David narrate. It was David narrating yeah, that instead yeah. of us, which is father too. Yeah. Um, yep. He did lessons in the, time travel. Yeah. There is a flash of light, and Switch disappears. Carrie wonders what happened, and Sid tells her she thinks they saved the world. Oh, the other big thing we missed is that um, you know Switch gave that whole speech about you know the universe acknowledges, you know, and blesses all of you. Right. You know, addresses- I said that kind of. Oh, you I mean, did. Yeah. Okay. But she addresses uh, Gabriel as uh, Gabriel Xavier. Oh, right. Yeah, that's ne- right. Yeah. They never call Charles Charles Xavier nope. in this and, whole thing. And, it's never said. Yeah. But And in the comics, there was never Gabriel Xavier. She'd never no, she never married was always him. Gabriel Holler. Yeah. yeah. So. And didn't ever want to tell him that um, David was his son either. Yeah. So very significant. All right. Flash flight. Switch disappears. Carrie wonders what happened. Sid tells her she thinks they saved the world. Farouk asks David what he will do, and he says he will live a life. Chuckling, Farouk says, "Yeah." <laughs> Chuckling, Farouk says to look him up when he's an adult again, and they will rule the world. <laughs> David says they won't, and Farouk takes his hand. There's a flash of light. Yeah, so, I mean, despite the epiphany he's had, younger Farouk is still a bit of a, you know, evil villain. Um, I think Fruits. I think uh, even future Farouk is was maybe fibbing a little bit. Um, you know when he's like, "Oh, I learned so much from being in David," and it's like, "I don't know, motherfucker, you're pretty evil right up to the end here." Yes. So I'm not sure. I believe that you're really rehabilitated either, but maybe someday down the line, when the House of Mouse 
remix Legion, you know, we'll, we'll get that question answered. But I'm not not sure he's completely on the level. But this is the story we got, as they told us in the beginning, and history will decide. I think if we see any continuation of this, it's going to be in comic book form. Yeah, that would be probably nice. a, yeah. probably not in a comic that's. Um, you know, a, an adaptation of the show, but like a you know timey wimey X Men adventure where they just end up in this universe. Yeah, because it's it's could go a whole different way, uh, to be sure. Uh, and we'll get to that real soon. All right, where was I? Yep, in the time hallway, Switch tells her father, and now she's ready. And he opens the door to existence, and Switch puts on her headphones and follows him in. In the house, Sid looks at the elderly Carrie. After a moment, she turns and leaves, and Carrie reappears and remembers their childhood. They have a nice little flashback to when they were separate beings, and he helps his now equally aged sister up off the floor, and she asks if she can call him brother, and Carrie says that works. The time hallway escape scene is very reminiscent of the teaser posters for the first X-Men movie, Mm. where you were just looking at silhouette through a crack in a door. Yeah, you were saying, yep. Um, I'm I'm betting intentionally. Yep. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I like the idea that um, you know the we assume all these people will will you know be born again and have the same stuff going on. But in this next world, you know Charles Xavier will be there to explain to Carrie's parents right what it, yeah. what it means when the second Carrie appears. <laughs> right. The yeah. the origin story was that. Um, there was a there was believed to have been an infidelity initially because one of the parents was Native American and mm-hmm. until the second Carrie showed up it was you know a white kid yeah and the marriage had already dissolved right yeah I don't know if we we must have missed the line where Pat's or uh, Pat where Charles says that he's you know decided oh that hasn't happened yet okay okay yeah Charles returns home and finds Gabrielle sitting in the sunroom she says that baby David is upstairs in the nursery and that he has friends. Gabriel talks about seeing demons, and Charles says that he saw their son as an angry adult, and together they fought a tyrant. His wife says that David needs them both, and Charles promises no more travel or bloodshed. Gabriel asks if he's going to kiss her, and he does. He also, yeah, <laughs> yes, which I, which I swear to God, Magneto says in uh, X Men First Class that Michelle Fassbender or Michael Fassbender drops that line that way. Mm-hmm. Um. But importantly, this, when Gabrielle and Xavier or Charles are talking, it's sh- it's they're showing his legs. They're showing he's not crippled. Right. Yeah. This expi- he is now. This is this is the Charles Xavier that will probably never end up in the wheelchair in the way that he did in the comics because right. of crucial choices that he's made. Yeah. It's a sirens again. Yeah, I do live right next to a fire station, <laughs> even though the. Window is closed. There they are. Uh, no worries. But uh, yeah, I, this was actually I thought like the best scene between these two actors mm-hmm. that we've seen so far it was just the chemistry, and it was just so light and like you know when she's describing what she went through, and she's like, "Well, you kind of had it easy, didn't you?" You know, <laughs> making jokes, and it was, it was a nice little scene. And, and uh, yeah, but it confirmed that you know Charles. You know, Charles woke her up out of a catatonic state using his telekinesis. And another line that they uh, they didn't put in the recap was when when David asks uh, 
if Charles thinks Farouk's lying, Farouk's, right. uh, Charles goes, we're telepaths. Yeah, we don't have to wonder. We're we always going to trust know. people. We're always going to know yet. Yeah, yeah, it was nice too. It's, yeah. Um, I don't know if they've even used the word telepath exactly. I, I think they have once or twice, but it's, yeah. Um, but that, that's what's been good about this show is it, it just peppers in small little references to know you're in the X-Men universe in a way, or, you know, in the same, with the same terminology, but they never beat you over the head with it, you know? And that was one of the nice things about this. So to wrap it up in the nursery, Sid looks down on baby David. The adult David joins her and wonders if she's surprised to see him and admits that, uh, you know, Sid tells him the switch told her she would live a new life, and and David jokingly is like, "Yeah, I didn't really think you'd you'd help me out." And Sid's like, "I didn't help you out. I helped him out." You know, looking down at the baby, and David figures that she will be extra extraordinary without him around, and she kind of agrees. And they figure that they will uh, just fade away, and and uh, Sid tells David she helped the baby. David, not David, as I just said. And uh, Sid tells him to be a good boy, and they disappear together. And then we go right back to the first scene of the whole show, and baby in in the uh, bed. What the hell's the baby? Uh, the crib. Crib. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm getting old. <laughs> you put a, the baby bed. Yeah, like Breaking Bad. It's like the the cow house. You mean a barn? It's a cow house. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then Happy Jack plays over our ending credits, and there we go. That's all she wrote, folks. And uh, wow, it's been quite a ride. I, I, I don't know if there was a, a resolution to this story that I would have been a hundred percent satisfied with. So when I say I wasn't completely satisfied, that's almost like a bullshit statement. But. Um, I don't know. I felt we talked about this offline or online, but not on show. Um, we thought some of the other supporting characters kind of got the short shrift on the end here. And I guess that, you know, we didn't, I guess we didn't expect, you know, what's so great about peace, love and understanding to be like the, the curtain call for some of these characters, but it was exactly like Tomini and then Aubrey Plaza, you know, Lenny and, I did pretty much everyone else, you know, mm. Clark floating in space, poor dead bastard. And um, so, yeah, that was a little disappointing to not at least maybe get, you know, maybe tack 10 more minutes onto the show or even a couple of minutes and and just like maybe show, I maybe would have gone, you know, one little glimpse into what the new universe looks like, you know, show a scene of a young, younger David growing, you know, 10-year-old David growing up with an older Charles and Gabrielle. We show Clark and his, you know, not necessarily his husband's, but he meets another man as another kid, you know, and, and Sid living a fulfilling life and, and Melanie and Oliver doing their thing together or not. And I don't know, it would have just been kind of nice to, to see a little hint of the, the new universe that's been created, because that's basically what happened. We've created a completely new X universe with the end of this. Um, Coming to uh, you know Marvel movies in a couple of years. Hopefully, you know. It's, <laughs> I mean, that's what it's going to be. Is what Disney decides they want to do with the property. They could go that way. I mean, yeah. this would be a, an interesting jumping on point for them because it would be the kind of thing that, and you could still make David 
Xavier go crazy and have the, yes. the dissociative disorder fuck with him, but under the parentage of of Charles and Gabrielle instead, and then still have. You know what I hope we don't necessarily see with the the House of the Mouse X Men is a lot of fucking Magneto. I mean, I just I really just kind of yeah, got sick been of the ground. Yeah, and it's just not. He's obviously got to be one of their main arch nemesis, but for fuck's sake, don't drag him through every goddamn movie with him. You know, and have him, oh, I'm going to be the hero this time, but then I'm going to turn evil, or I'm going to be all evil this time, and then, you know. No, that's not necessary. And as you said, we now have a Magneto-free universe. Well, not not Magneto-free by any means, but... And the whole sequence of things where Charles meets up with him, yeah. and they go fight Lucifer, and he loses his legs that way, that shit could all still happen. But, but now we have the added interesting thing that you know he's he's going to be married to Gabrielle and and raising Legion and he's decided he wants to be an educator so so some some form of the the X-Men will probably eventually happen in this universe but what's important is that it didn't happen when he was a teenager and it didn't inspire him to create the meeting Magneto when he was a teenager didn't happen and didn't inspire him to create the X-Men yeah just like um you know, when they, when they rewrote the timeline for um, X-Men First Class, his life was inspired by meeting Mystique. Yeah. And he doesn't meet Magneto until he, they're both adults. Right, yeah. Well, even in the original X-Men run, though, the Farouk story was really more of his... Unless it was like a retcon, but I thought that came after the story that they did where he lost his legs. Because... It, right. It, in Cywar, he kind of referenced Farouk as his inspiration for starting the X-Men because he, he met the first mutant he ever met was an evil mutant, and he realized somebody had to had to oppose them. So I think I think that plays... I think Farouk was was more of a catalyst in the X-Men getting started than, than Magneto was. The, Far- the Farouk story that I'm most familiar with, I haven't read the one from the late 80s, I just know that it exists. Yeah. Is the one where he's in, um, you know, Egypt sees you know Storm robbing the cafe, and then like looks across and there's Farouk, and he realizes it's an evil mutant, and they have the psi war, and he believes that he wins. Yeah, yeah. Now they used him. Uh, they used Shadow King on um, the animated series. Yeah, but yeah. he was completely to do with Storm and her son. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was a weird episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure where they pulled that one out of their ass, but yeah, that was weird. I think that might have had to do with the um, whatever the it was the last arc that Claremont you know did before he left the comic forever was the right. Shadow King story. Yeah, yeah, the, the Muir Island saga, I believe, and the Shadow King was the the villain. Now I've and I, I have not read that. I just know that it exists. I, I read it back in the day because I was collecting them then, but I don't. It didn't. At least he didn't burn itself into my memory, so it wasn't some of his best stuff. Um, in fact, I, I seem to remember getting very tired with Shadow King shit back then. But um, in October, I'm going to go through all of the uh, X movies I have not reviewed for Letterboxd and also watch all of The Gifted, because I haven't seen any of The Gifted. Oh, you're a brave man. This is actually a pretty good show. I, I don't That's know what I've heard. I don't know why I lost interest in it, and now that I... Now it's canceled already. I don't know if I'll finish watching it because apparently they left it on a pretty big cliffhanger. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, or some or some very cool like 
Easter eggs to, to you know, more X-Men-y comics. Because they, they, they shied away from... I mean, they mentioned the X-Men and stuff, and... You know, had people like Blink and Warbird, not Warbird, but uh, Thunderbird, yeah, um, in it, and and the Morlocks eventually. So that was very cool. Um, but they they skated around the whole Magneto thing for a while because Polaris is in it. But mm. but they, I don't think they, at least the the episodes I watched into about the the beginning of the second season, they they never mentioned the M word, you know, the Magneto word anyway. But that's a good thing. Well. Yeah, but I think they got either. there eventually because the Hellfire Club is walked talked about, and they Ooh. yeah, the gifted is actually set. I I kind of my head cannon put it in the uh, like because the X Men have like disappeared. I think in the beginning of it essentially, and so my my head cannon placed it in where the fall of the mutants, where they all are thought to be dead for a while, but they've actually just like you know when the adversary was fighting Roma. If you haven't read these comics, nobody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. But it was a pretty good run. I think it was when Mark Silvestri was doing the art for it. Well, that's got me excited for uh, for October. Yeah, my big watch project is th- is that I haven't seen Dark Phoenix yet, so I'll finish on Dark Phoenix after I've watched all of that, and then um, I've never watched the Blade trilogy either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'll get put in there and. But back to this, I mean, were you totally satisfied with the uh, the ending? Or? I was not totally satisfied with the ending the first time I watched it, and I think, you know, it, it was kind of first-time blues where you expect, you know, the world to be delivered to you on a plate. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why, you know, there are so many fans that are, you know, angry when uh, their franchise ends. And I wasn't I wasn't angry. I was right. just like, you know, I just I just wish there was, there was more, kind of like the song, um... You know, did you have to build it so high? Yeah. <laughs> you, gave us, you gave us so much, and then I really have to watch... I really have to go back and watch the second season again, because I feel like the season two had the expectation that there might be more than three seasons. Right. And threw out a lot of stuff that might be red herrings completely. Yeah, yeah. And that's necessary. I'm sure he didn't know when he was first writing, you know, the... I mean, showrunners like this, you know, the when when their show gets canceled, a lot of them be like, "Well, that's how I planned it anyway." You know, like George Lucas is, you know, well, I, Darth Vader was supposed to be his father all along. Bullshit. Yeah. But <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever helps you sleep at night, dude. But <laughs> you're, you're not fooling us, and you know, there's there's no reason not to write the story to continue. You know. Mm-hmm to a certain point and at least throw some breadcrumbs out there that you can pick up and follow if you do get picked up. Um, but Noah Hawley will be back uh, this fall with another season of uh, Fargo. Yeah, still that's still running. Huh? Cool. I still have not gotten to an episode of that yet. Oh, you should because it's a um, oh, lot, no. lot of lot of actor crossover. Um, both, uh, both Gene Smart and uh, the actress that plays Sid have very large roles in the second season. And uh, season four is going to be this is this is going to be fascinating to see. It's it's the fifties. It's a black crime family versus an Italian crime family. Oh no shit! Okay. And Chris Rock is the head of the black crime family. Oh my god! Okay. Now I've never seen Chris Rock do something where he's like confined to a script. Right. Well, he's got to yeah. play a guy from the fifties. I mean, I'm sure he'll knock it out of the park. Yeah. But oh, I'm yeah. just excited to see what it looks like. Yeah, definitely. Damn. 
I may just start right there. That's, yeah. That sounds intriguing. Oh, they're, they're all self, all the seasons of Fargo are self-contained. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's cool. They have tiny little things that link them to one another, but they're not tightly linked. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I was very surprised by the ending. You know, I guess I'm an old comic book trope guy that you know, there's supposed to be a big ba- boss battle at the end. And there wasn't. It was just diplomacy. It was just right. <laughs> empathy. The power of empathy. Well, there was and, kind of a boss battle. The fight between... Yeah, David there were... Yeah, but I mean, to, you know, you almost expect a more final resolution for, you know, someone, like, visibly be... I mean, yeah, he beat down Farouk and Charles shot his Farouk. And, but in the end, it all came down to, it's like... We're all just, you know, we're all just everyday people, man. Let's all mm-hmm. get along. And um, I'm not sure that's satisfying enough, you know, and that I don't know if the conflicts, I think it almost betrays itself a little bit that when, you know, Sid was talking about, you know, David's like, I'm going to go back and change everything. None of this will ever have happened. But somewhere in the, you know, the halls of time, this did happen, you know, yeah. in an alternate, and David was an asshole for whatever reason. And we watched it. Yeah. And so is it, is it all just okay that he, he gets to fade away at the end and, and, or is it just going to be cyclical because we do go back to happy Jack, uh, baby, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, at the beginning again and, uh, who knows? So it could just all repeat itself. You know, yeah. things could just work out the same way um, for different reasons. I'd be interested to hear, you know, what, um, you know, Tina or Beth or Hope thinks. If I don't, but I don't think uh, Beth and Hope watch the show. So. Mm. I mean, Tina was, you know, she's been watching it right along with me, and she was just kind of like, wow, like I am at the end of every episode, so, <laughs> you know, and I, I go nerd on her, you know, she has to listen to me nerd out about, well, it happened this way in the comics, and they did this in the comics, I, I don't know how the woman is still with me, um, yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hope is hope is more in touch with that, you know, kind of pulse of the millennial, you know, how to feel about the entertainment that's being offered. Well, I love watching the comic properties with Tina because she is unblemished and unbiased (laughs) by the the books, you know, unlike us. So that's always fun to watch. Um, So she's just along for the ride. And I said she's made some astute observations along the way, too. And uh, I mean, it's smart to be able to do that. Um, It's, you know, I'm just coming out of a play where we have to talk a lot about pop culture with people of, of many different generations and just how they absorb it, um, you know, is all of that Joss Whedon stuff we loved once upon a time now so problematic that we can't watch it again. Right. And, I mean, I don't know. I would love to hear. I mean, maybe in, you know, maybe after I get the Blu-rays of this and, and a year from now or something, we all do a rewatch and revisit in a year because it's, man, it's such, yeah, it was such a dense show and. Like Gene Smart and the, the the other actresses sit and talk about it, right? You know how they feel. That would be awesome. We'll start making some inquiries now. Maybe we get somebody on the show. No, I mean us do a show. I mean, yeah. and, and maybe even try. Oh, to that would be awesome. Yeah, try to find somebody that watched the show and had no experience, like Tina. You know, and get her mm-hmm. her opinions kind of on the I'll whole thing. I'll check it out now if it has commentaries for the episodes. Because yeah. if it do, if it does, it, I think it would actually yeah be worth worth the time to listen to the commentary tracks 
I bet a, a lot of it is just like, I mean, there's so much done in post-production in that, yeah. that show that it's just, I'm sure the actors are like, yeah, they put me on, they told me to stand on this mark and, and sing a Who song, and that's all I know mm. what happened, you know, and then I look at the screen later and I'm flying through the desert and attacking Farouk, and I did not know that was going on at the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be interesting. But, uh, yeah, man. It's that I, I finally broke on Honeywell, and I don't know if I should have or not, because he's been watching. He's about midway through season two, and we were talking about it the other day, and, and he's like, he's kind of getting to the stuff that we've, you know, theorized because we know the comics a little better. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I'm finally I just couldn't hold back. I'm like, I'm just going to give you this from the comics. In the comics, he has dissociative identity disorder, and each one of his identities has a different power set. And when they take it over, then he has different powers. Like one of them, you know, Julie's yep. in charge today. He's a pyromaniac, you know, or a pyrokinesis. <laughs> and, you know, Fred's in charge this day. He can time travel or teleport. And so and he's just like, oh, okay. And like, yep, just go forth with that info, young man. And uh, maybe you'll start seeing the show <laughs> a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be, maybe he'll be the one because he has no comic experience. Maybe he'll be the one we'll drag on a year from now to to discuss it too and be like, "What'd you think?" You know, like Louise Simonson would be an interesting person to hear from about the show because she was writing so much of it. Yeah, at that time, and I know Sinkevitz has been following it pretty closely yes. too. And he's he's as far as I, Chris said he had read something that. Sinkevitz didn't like it. I'm like, I don't know. Every press that's I've seen from him on it. That's yeah. not the impression I've gotten at no. all. He <laughs> made one comment about it being over, but I think it was more just like, oh, it sucks that it's over, you know? Um, like he designed, like, the box artwork for the DVDs and yeah, all that. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I still feel bad for him that he might might not ever see that. But I'm sure he'll get a copy of the New Mutants movie, but we yeah, may, he's, we all, he's never. seen it. Yeah, yeah. No, he has. Like, he has already. He's. They screened it for him. He's seen the movie. I want to say Claremont's seen the movie as well. In whatever but form man, it might be, in, just... they had to drive a dump truck of money up to Claremont's house to get him to talk good about uh, the Dark Phoenix. Yeah, that. Um... And at uh, at conventions, he is not. He's. He's not so praise. Doesn't heap as much praise on it. Yeah. Did he really? <laughs> yes, I didn't see his opinion on it at all. But oh no, he came out just like, oh, it's it's great. It just lives up to everything. Oh, good <laughs> lord! Yeah, yeah. He must have wrote a nice check. Me and Brian Hughes were talking about it on with the one preacher cast, I think, and um, and he was like, you know, and I, I agreed with him. It wasn't a horrible movie if it wasn't an X Men movie. You that's know? that's, a, that's <laughs> not the worst thing I could hear. I no. mean, I'll, I'll get to, I'll get to it this October. I mean, it's not like it's badly made and the, the effects are falling apart or anything. And the acting is horrible. You know, it's all top-notch actors and they're doing their thing. So Apocalypse sucked. I yeah, mean. Apocalypse put me to, literally put me to sleep. I don't even know if I finished it. I, I don't know why they let Brian Singer back after all of that. Uh, but, yeah, well, that was, that was along with a lot of the X-Men movies, that was one of its biggest problems, Dark Phoenix, is that it, pretty much ignore even the one they just made that was supposed to kind of like go with that continuity in that team they ignored like a lot of things that happened in apocalypse so um it was just there's there's no 
you can't build a cinematic universe and, and not get the people to care about the characters. And there just wasn't enough time to to care about Jean Grey, you know, to care about her becoming Dark Phoenix. So. No, the two places, if they're going to bring Dan Stevens back to do anything with uh, with Legion, I'd like to see him in, uh, you know, the Doctor Strange multiverse thing. Yeah. Where he just pops in and that just, like, whispers in his ear, like, it's not going to work. Or, right. <laughs> <laughs> or have or have Deadpool run into him. That would be beautiful. I don't think that I don't see the House of Mouse going this will probably be the only Legion property we like, yeah, ever yeah. see on TV, so that alone makes it amazing. It's really amazing that it was ever allowed to exist because it's yeah. just it really is avant garde like T V making and, and you just would not no expect fan that. service in it. Would not expect no that. fan service. No, I mean just yeah, just the little sprinkles for us deep cutters, you know, you know, just like you said, the chalkboard fight from Cywar. I mean, literally everything in this show. The only thing it really refer- referenced the Shire once, which was fucking beautiful, mm-hmm. and and everything else is pretty much from like this one goddamn comic book and and some of the Legion stuff over the years. So that was just kind of amazing that they they allowed this to happen at all. But, yeah, I don't see the House of Mouse. This is too complex for the the general MCU audience, I think, to do anything like this. Although Noah is still trying to push his Doctor Doom script (laughs) to Disney. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but he says, I've seen him tweet about it, and he says that he's he's trying to get him to, to at least read it and see what they can do with him. So he, he apparently really wants to tackle Dr. Doom, and I really, really want him to tackle Dr. Yeah, Doom. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Even if... I hope he'll just, like, if they never assign him for it, I hope he'll, like, release the screenplay, or they'll let him at least. Yeah, or, or work him. it into a novel, because he is a novelist also. Right, yeah, I don't know. So they'll, once they, they paid a lot of fucking money for those rights, so I don't, you know, I don't know if they're going to let anybody do anything with, you know peripherally with Doctor Doom or the Fantastic Four or anything like that anymore. You know, they may come confiscate some of your old DVDs. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but I actually saw the Fantastic Four Silver Surfer movie the other day, Garage Shelling, and I almost grabbed it because it was like 50 cents. And I'm just like, ah, why? Just wait. Just hope that you live long enough for the next one. Um <laughs> Well, why don't we call it a, a week? Yes. And call it a, a season and call it a series for Legion. And, and thanks for thanks for having me on to, to talk this with you. This was a this was an excellent ride. Yeah, this is, this is great having you for every show this season and um, and previous ones. And obviously, I always have a seat at the weekly heroics table. Um, and Jesus Christ, just thank you, Noah Hawley, who will never hear this, and, and yeah. company, and Dan Stevens, and every other goddamn actor on Chris the show. Claremont, Bill Sinkevich. Yeah, for... Jermaine Clement, um, Gene Smart. For just creating this thing to, to for us to watch, uh, even if Bill it was Irwin. only a total of, like, 30 episodes. I mean, it was... Hamish Linklater. Really brilliant, brilliant television. Uh, yeah, so... Very happy X Men fan here, and yes. very happy TV viewer. Even if I wasn't an X Men fan, I think I would like this show a lot. And Aubrey Plaza, I still available for yes. marriage someday. I'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> for saying that, but if you're into older men, 
who will have a murderous ex-girlfriend when we get together. Um, <laughs> we call. Send you my digits. But uh, Thanks, Pat. And wow, bye, Legion. Chapter 27. That's all she wrote, folks. So we'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Happy Jack wasn't old, but he was a man. He lived in the sand at the Jack